Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goals. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. Hello, 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 Maximal Beings. It is I, Jackie P, and of course, the co-hostess with the mostess, Doc Mock. Doc Mock, how are you doing today? Jackie P, you know, I'm a little sad. I, I'm a little bit in mourning. You know, you remember that beautiful SCOBY that I gave you to, to make yes. some booch with? My yep. Scoby did not make the move. It did no! not survive. I know. I know. This is this is terrible. Uh, so I got to start from scratch. But thankfully, there's a course that you can take at maximalbeing.com to learn how to do that. So this is true. Starting from scratch. But yeah, I'm that's, doing good, man. I'm doing good. That's fantastic. Also, I actually, speaking of Scoby, have a printed out recipe that I'm going to tackle this weekend to make my own kombucha because mm. it's expensive. It so if you so make it yourself, expensive. so if, if anything, besides the microbiome and gut health, save some money. Yeah. But I'm excited today, Doc Monk. You know why I'm excited today? What is that? Because we have someone as a guest who is essentially your counterpart. It's the Superman, Superwoman, both super experts on the microbiome and the gut. And I think, honestly, I know I'm not going to get much talking time. So I'm just stretching out this intro because I know you two are going to talk about a lot. So today, join us. Maximal Beans is Dr. Sabine Hazen, and she is the author of a book called I, I, I want to say it so bad, but it's, it's <laughs> let's talk. Shh. And I'm not hushing us because we're in a library. I'm saying that because it's a word, four letter word. And it's, uh, it's, it's a word that talks about our poop. It's a book, right? So Dr. Sabine Hazen, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. And yes, it's let's talk. Shh. Microbiome. I could have called it microbiome, but I thought as eh, no, you, you got to get the attention. You yes. know? That's right. It's easy so, to remember. Yes. So, folks, I'm Jackie. I'm your layman. I'm going to make sure these two GI enthusiasts and experts keep it lay and make sure they don't get too much into the nitty gritty. And of course, Doc Mock. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. I'm a therapeutic endoscopist pack practicing in uh, Tampa, Florida, also a functional medicine doctor. And I cannot wait to get nitty gritty into your microbiomes out there and take it away. Our wonderful guest who I think, you know, in reading her research, Jackie, I got to say, I think not counterpart, but she, she may have a few up on me. So, oh. you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning from you, Dr. Hazen. Oh, my pleasure. It's been fun. You know what? I mean, it's like, it's been fun. Paleo, keto, vegan, and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all, but did you have success? Are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. 
By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeing.com courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health, but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528, and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. Dr. Hazen, the people want to know, how did you become Dr. Hazen? What, how did you go from, hey, I'm Dr. Hazen, I'm going to go to college, pre-med, learn about the gut, to writing a book with one of my favorite titles ever. Give us a little bit about your backstory. I think, you know, I've always been the kid that wanted to understand life. I went into medicine to understand life and uh, got into medicine. And I, w- I used to ask patients that were on this near-death experience, what happened, what did they see? And thought that medicine would explain, you know, life after death and death and you really didn't. And then also being as a doctor, you know, you go through medicine, medical school, and you try to fix problems and you realize there's not many diseases we've cured. And so along this path, it's been a lot of roadblocks along the way, but those roadblocks, I took them and became challenges. So I think that's, uh, that's how I became. Every time somebody would tell me, well, you know, we don't take women in GI. I would say, okay, well, I'll be your first one. Or uh, you are not going to get married and survive staying married to a cardiologist and being a physician. And I said, okay, great. Well, 28 years later, I'm still married, you know, or, you know, you can't do fellowship and get pregnant, you know, two kids later. So anytime somebody challenged me, I would just take on that challenge and say, watch me. And that was the same thing with the microbiome. You know, I was having all these questions because I started doing fecal transplant early on. And, um, you know, the process of taking stools and putting them from a healthy donor to an unhealthy donor. And I would basically uh, ask all these questions. Well, how did I change a patient's psoriasis? How did I, you know, how did Dr. Colleen Kelly at Brown University get two patients to grow hair with C. diff? So all these questions, I went to different labs and asked the question. And they always would say, you don't need to look at the microbiome. We've already looked at it. And I said, oh. Two sets of guys, I mean, two sets of eyes looked at the microbiome and that's it. We know everything about these trillion bacteria. So I said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to open a genetic sequencing lab and look for myself. And that's it. It was that simple. Wow. Inquisitive minds want to know. That's why I became a doctor. It's the detective, like the 
figuring out the clues, you know, not doing, you know, after a while you just, I like Dr. Mark, I've done like so many colonoscopies and just after a while, it just wasn't filling me. I just was more about the Indiana Jones and the temper, you know, and the, the Holy Grail. Who knew that the Holy Grail was your poop? Right? <laughs> I I have a feeling Doc Mock knew. I have a feeling. <laughs> he knew, I think so. he knew. Most well, of I, my doctors know. They know. Yeah. But also they don't, right? Like we have all these articles all these pieces of research that come down the pipeline in conventional like gi literature and pretty much anything that talks about the microbiome is like it'll get there eventually one day we'll be able to analyze the microbiome and it's like guys i hate to break it to you but there's this whole other group of people that knows way more than you know about the microbiome yes and if we don't pay attention and step in we're missing the boat and, and we're looking like fools because basically that's our field, right? We're playing with it. And you know, the other thing is, and I'm sure you've recognized this, you know, you get a patient improving, right? I had a case that improved of Alzheimer's or fecal transplant. And I would say, it, you know, shouted from the top of my lungs, you know, guys, the guy's mini mental status, you know, went from 21 to 29. He remembers his daughter's date of birth. All I did is fecal transplant, right? I was so excited about it. And they're like, shh, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. It's coincidental. It's incidental finding. And to me, you know, I think that's probably why the relationship between me and Dr. Tom Barodi, because, you know, I'm that girl that basically will make the phone call. You know, somebody wrote the book on, you know, uh, like Dr. Eugene Schiff, you know, in, in Jackson Memorial. He wrote the book on hepatology. I'd always be in his office and say, Dr. Schiff, am I, do I have to worry about fatty livers and liver failure? You know, because I'd always go to the person that would write the book, right? And so when Dr. Barodi was really the guy behind so many fecal transplants, I would always call him and, and I'd say, you won't believe this, but I attained the cure in Crohn's disease. And he'd say, what? Because so did he. But then you can't say cures because it's taboo. It's like, You know, you're supposed to, we're in this, you know, medicine of just continuing pills after pills after pills. We don't want to let go of these patients in a way. And I think we need to to attain cures. We need to look at what happened. Maybe it's a cure for one year. Maybe it's remission for two years. But maybe if we extend that for two more years or three more years, that's how we advance medicine and science. I think if we stop the talking and we say, shh, don't talk about Alzheimer's, you know, then we've not looked at Alzheimer's because I may not have the answer, but you may have something to add to it. You may say, hey, Sabine, did you ever think of adding this and this? Have you worked with Dr. Hussein Boskert? No. Okay. Have you read any of his data? I don't believe so. No. Here's a doctor that's in Turkey who is doing some phenomenal work with um, implanting bifidobacteria, right? And um, it's amazing because he's attained some improvement with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. And when I saw his paper, it was interesting because it was at the beginning of the pandemic. I didn't know anything about him because I, you know, I don't read everything. I just read what's in the main journals, right? Barely have time to like focus on what's in New England Journal of Medicine and gastro journals, right? 
So I basically um, started looking up the data on COVID-19 and bifidobacteria, right? Because I'm obsessed about bifidobacteria because bifidobacteria um, is something I've seen in my genetic sequencing, right? And so I looked up a paper that he wrote that was a hypothetical paper that potentially bifidobacteria could be the way out of, of the pandemic. And I said, oh, my God, I've reproduced, not even knowing what he was doing, on the other side of the world as 2GI. Here he is implanting bifidobacteria. Here I am finding that people that survived COVID, not catching it, have a lot of bifidobacteria. And people that have severe COVID had zero bifidobacteria. So the two of us came together. But imagine if we didn't talk, we wouldn't have had that revelation, right? That said, wait a minute, here's someone in Turkey who's basically improving COVID with implantation, right? So it's these things that just increase the awareness. And that's why we need to talk about it. Even if it's at the hypothetical level, because a hypothesis brings on to a conclusion that may be the answer. And we have to put all these hypotheses. I think the fact that we're censored, we're stopped, we're, we're not asking the questions makes for poor science and for poor medicine. That's, that's a good point. And I do have to pull a very light layman flag. Uh, it's a 50-50 only because uh, I want to be fair for everyone. So two things. One, let's visit fecal transplant very quickly because listeners who have listened to me, uh, Doc Mock and I did cover fecal transplant. Power, power yeah. of the poo, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my favorites. So check back. But you did mention bifidobacteria. So mm-hmm. if you can, in a quick 30, min- 30 seconds to a minute, give the folks listening, uh, you know, tell us what's bifidobacteria, where it comes from, and why is it important in the gut? So bifidobacteria is one of those good bugs, right? So when Mm -hmm. you look at babies and they're born, they're born with a lot of bifidobacteria. In fact, a lot of them breastfeed and they get the breast milk from the mom. And then that bacteria, that breast milk goes into the gut, ferments and becomes these beautiful bifidobacteria. So we are born with a lot of bifidobacteria. We're actually going to show that data because we looked at moms and newborns. And you could see the bifidobacteria levels of the mom is average, but the babies, it's enormous. 90% of their gut is bifidobacteria. So when you're born, you're born with a lot of bifidobacteria. When you die, you die with zero. So the process of aging is bifidobacteria. Now, it's obviously, it's one of those bugs, but there are so many other bugs, right? So when we look at genetic sequencing and we're, the, we're very fortunate, Progenobiome is my company, that basically has been doing 52, 53 clinical trials on the microbiome and disease. And we've been looking at the whole spectrum. We've been looking at people with ALS, MS, Parkinson's, autism, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, old, young, uh, skinny, overweight, different races, different, you know, um, different people, like people in Japan versus Japanese living in America. So We have a whole consortium of database of these microbes. And what we discovered is bifidobacteria is one of the good bugs, right? And bifidobacteria is that bacteria that's in your probiotics. 
It's what the billion dollar industry of probiotics has become, right? It's your, you know, your kefir that has bifidobacteria. It's your Activia yogurt that has bifidobacteria. So bifidobacteria has an importance already on a nutritional, because on a nutritional basis, because people have figured out that's a good bug, right? Mm -hmm. So the importance of looking at it living in the environment is very important. And that's what we've been doing at Progenobiome is seeing, well, those people that take probiotics, those people that are eating yogurts, do they have a high bifidobacteria or not, right? And so bifidobacteria is your good bug. It's the bug that we hypothesized when we started looking at COVID that basically would take those cytokines and flush them out. So when the virus comes into your lungs, it secretes cytokines all over your body. Those cytokines are like your toxins, right? Mm-hmm. Toxins are hypothesized to be swallowed by bifidobacteria. So if you've got, the hypothesis was then, if you've got a lot of bifidobacteria, you're taking those cytokines, you're flushing them out. You're having, that's why people have diarrhea at the end of COVID. They're getting the toxins out. If you have low bifidobacteria and the cytokines are in your body, you don't have a way to, flush them out. So that's the importance of bifidobacteria. It's a big bacteria. And we have to go back to microbiology. And I don't think people in the world, and especially politicians, know about what the size of a bacteria versus a virus is. Bacteria, especially bifidobacteria, is much, much bigger, 20 to 30 times bigger than a virus. So if your space in your colon is a lot of good bacteria, a lot of good bifidobacteria, like the kids right? Why are the kids not affected with COVID? Well, the virus goes in and it goes out because the bifidobacteria just takes it out, right? But if you have low bifidobacteria, whatever you gave your kid, antibiotics, or your kid had GI problems, and those are the kids that we see with low bifidobacteria, kids with GI problems, then at that point, you have to ask yourself, is that the reason these kids are having COVID. So bifidobacteria, again, is the good bug. It's the bug that the viruses want to attack and create what's called a bacteriophage. But if it's solid and strong, it will flush out the viruses and not leave room for the viruses. But if you don't have much, the viruses will penetrate. The bad bacteria with toxins will penetrate. So there's a balance in the gut, which is your good bug and your bad bugs, essentially. Bifidobacteria is the good guy, the good guy. So you want it back up so that there's a balance. It's all about the balance. They've they've also hypothesized that bifidobacterium is integral to like your ability to digest carbohydrates, right? So there's another group called firmicutes, and these firmicutes eat and eat and eat lots of carbs. So they've linked these firmicutes with people that are obese or have insulin resistance, right? Diabetes. Yes. So people that have bifidobacterium are kind of the other end of the spectrum. So it leads to more insulin sensitivity and people that tend to be a little more lean also have more bifidobacterium, but oh, yeah. what's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black op shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to maximalbeing.com rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock 
and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBean.com slash Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. I think we got to nerd out a little bit about fecal transplant, Jackie, because this is an area that is so, so cool. Like, Yes. And we, yeah. need, we need as GI doctors to be able to do it a little we bit. We do. Yeah. I mean, think about cardiovascular surgeons, right? They didn't ask mm-hmm. permission to put a stent, right? So we are being blocked as GI to do these, these procedures and, and it's not blocked. I mean, I understand the FDA wanting to be part of all this and, and these IND submissions, but the length of time and the cost to do these INDs, you know, and, and, and before I get called in, INDs is investigative new uh, drug. And basically it's the paperwork, which is 22 pounds of paperwork you have to submit to the FDA to be allowed to do a new procedure and uh, microbiome and fecal transplant goes in the uh, biologic um, territory of the FDA because the FDA says, well, if you're playing with microbes, that could be a biologic and therefore we need to be involved. But at the same time, as I understand they're being involved, we as GI doctors need to have a little bit more of a, you know, free range. So, so I've done fecal transplant in like all phases. I'm sure you have too. For the, for the listeners out there, usually what they do is they take uh, a stool sample from a donor. And now we have central repositories, which if I could be a donor, like, wow, you, there'd be a lot of happy microbiomes out there. But I don't know who these people are, how much they're getting paid. If you're listening out there and you're part of one of these companies, shoot us a, shoot us a line at team at maximumbeing.com. But you take that stool, you blend it up into a solution, and you deliver it into a person, either in pill form, through a tube that goes through your nose, yuck, or through a colonoscope or through an enema, right? So the preferred mechanism is with colonoscopy, right? Because we're getting a better spread, although enemas have been found in clinical research and the reviews through the ACG guidelines, which you all can search, to be equally as efficacious. Which ways have you used and what's your favorite way of delivering stool into a person? So that's for C. diff. And I think we have to clarify because after this episode, everybody's going to call us for fecal transplant, for psoriasis, Alzheimer's. No, it's not approved yet. We cannot do that. It's only for C. <laughs> so for C. diff, I've used, um, you know, I've tried the capsules, not very successful for me. Um, I'm still a colonoscopy girl. Um, I've tried the stool bank. So I have the ability and it all depends on the stool bank, right? So I've tried stool banks, um, you know, and we've all had experiences with what's available out there. Um, you know, Alex Karutz, University of Minnesota, has a great stool bank, so I've used it. Um, I like the fact that I can test my microbiome before and after, so I get to see if my patient is matching the donor. So my lab has been on the forefront of that to, to show the validity of the test at the microbiome level, because it's one thing to show the clinical But people will always say, well, that's subjective and that's coincidental. But when you show 
that the microbiome actually matches the donor and the patient was suicidal, had C. diff and psoriasis. And then you gave him a donor that's happy and drinking orange juice and the patient matches the donor and drinks for orange juice is no longer suicidal. Psoriasis is gone and the C. diff is gone. It's, it's a second thing, right? Because otherwise people will not believe you. They'll say, oh yeah, sure. Well, it, psoriasis would have gotten better anyways. But now that we have an assay that is valid, verified, and reproducible, which is what Progenobiome's been, you know, really into, um, we can see with certainty, well, no wonder the patient got better, right? And so for me, colonoscopy is the best way. I like to make sure that I have a success. In other words, did my donor match and therefore the implantation occurred? And then is it remaining in six months? Is my implant still working? So that's what I love about having the lab is it tells me and guides me. So from there, I started doing other cases. So autism is my first one. And of course, today I was telling you, I just came out from the GI lab and our blender was broken. And so kind of we're manually uh, mushing the whole time. I'm I'm saying to myself, why am I doing this? You know, (laughs) the only way you do this is if you, really believe in what you're doing and you really believe you're going to improve this kid with autism, right? And this kid did improve in one month after his fecal transplant. So I did do the case, um, you know, and so it's fascinating because this kid, we did fecal transplant on him in July. In August, he had horrible toe funguses, black toes that decreased, and then his uh, sleep improved, which was a miracle for the parents because they couldn't sleep at night because they were always worried. So one of them would take turn at staying for 19 years. They've taken turns staying up all night. So after the fecal transplant, that was the first time they went on vacation, the two of them and left the kid with the nanny He's no longer kid. He's 19 years old, but they feel like they felt like they called me and they said, you know, he's paying attention. He's saying mama and Baba which was amazing. That in itself is a miracle. He's pointing things. And to them, that was, they said to me, you know, we, and they, I I had FDA in my office um, when the mom came to pick up a toolkit and the FDA, and I presented the mom to the FDA agent because, you know, they're approving all these tests. And the mom said, look, we're never going to have a cure possibly with autism, but if we can improve these kids so that we can sleep at night and they're not dangerous to themselves, then that's a huge thing. So for this kid, I use what's called familial FMT, where I basically pick the kid's sister as the donor. And what's great is, so what we discovered with this kid is we could not do a fleet enema on him. The protocol calls for fleet enemas on a monthly basis. And we couldn't do it on a monthly basis. So we had to do an amendment to the FDA to ask if we could bring him back to the GI lab and do it by Flexig, right? So that took... And give him a little bit of, you know, numbing medication. That took six months of amendment. So in the meantime, I got to see the the stool sequencing, right? And what I saw was implantation at month one, month three. But then somewhere along month six, it started dropping. Something in the environment, something is dropping because that's why he needed more implants. So um, we did him again today. So we'll see and we'll continue to follow. And now we have an amendment. So we'll be doing it on a monthly basis. So keep on top of us so we can tell you. But I think it's important to talk about these cases. So colonoscopy to me is the way to go. I tend to like familial because it's the same environment of microbes. 
-hmm. It is not a product because this is, and it's expensive because you have to test each donor and it's difficult with insurances and everything. But I think, you know, these parents are motivated to see their kid improve. And for those parents that are willing to pay for the expense of doing the research and, and doing that route, um, it is an option. For those parents who can, they have to wait for the pharmaceutical product. But I think we have to stay open and offer both options, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's an incredible story. I think, you know, just for those parents to be able to take a vacation when they went from not sleeping, I mean, that, that must be, I mean, a tremendous just fresh of air for them. So, I mean, thank you for sharing that story. And, you know, I'm glad that you're able to help with, once again, fecal transplant, which is something I'm upset I haven't heard in, of until, I mean, a few months ago when Doc Mock and I recorded that episode. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.